0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is sponsored by UnityVillage.org. Songwriter Karen Drucker returns to Unity Village with A Woman's Timeout Retreat, September 19th to 22nd. Learn more at UnityVillage.org forward slash events calendar.
1: Welcome to the Animal Communication Podcast, where we talk to animals. We're your hosts,
2: Karen Dundee-Smith, Meredith Tolleson, and Julie Heert. Every week we'll share insights and stories from the animals. We'll also share how animal communication is a huge part of our lives, influencing our own growth, as well as deepening the relationship with our
3: animal family. We'll be weaving in special guests and animal communication readings, so join us as we discuss all things animal communication. Well, hello and welcome back. This is episode three of the Animal Communication Podcast. I'm Meredith Tollison and I am here with my colleagues, Karen and Julie. Say hi.
2: Hi, this is Julie. Hi, this is Karen.
3: And we are excited to be back for another episode. Last week, we were talking about lots of personal examples of our animals and how doing soul-level animal communication has helped us learn more soul level lessons, um, how we communicate and collaborate with animals ongoing in our life. We realized that we had so many stories to tell that we thought we would kind of kick off today's episode by talking about some more of those examples because they're really cool to hear. So guys, what, are we, uh, what have you got to talk about today, Julie?
1: Oh, so- You know, this just happened not too long ago. So I live right on the edge of a nature preserve here in West Michigan. And I've got my dog, Lucas, who is a retired sprint mushing sled dog. And uh, also he's got sight and sound or no sight and scent hound in him. So he's like greyhound, which is sight and scent, which is a pointer. So anything that moves (laughs) and anything that smells really good, boom, he's off like a shot. Right. So when we lived in Alaska, that wasn't a problem because we didn't have roads anywhere and he could run as he needed to. However, here with the white-tailed deer, that can be an issue because the reserve is surrounded by busy streets. So when there's space and he needs to go, that's cool. However, most of the time, that's not so cool. So what I realized was though, that he was working with me to get me to say no louder, like the way I scream it, I won't do it because I don't want to break everybody's ears. But he was trying to get me as he was trying to go after all the deer to get me to say no louder and mean it and own it because I had a hard time saying no to people and like shutting things down. So I realized at one point, like he started to take off because you can kind of see it, right? Because it reacts so much faster than we do. You can kind of see it start to happen. And I would start to go now really quietly and one day i just went i screamed i just like because i was frustrated too I but no he stopped dead in his tracks and he looked back at me and he said now you got it and so now what's so cool now like when we take a walk and if brad's with us my husband brad brad will usually be holding the leash and i'll see the deer and i'll go I'll say Lucas don't even think about it and he won't. But if I don't see him and Brad's not paying attention, he totally takes off on Brad cuz he's trying to work with Brad on a different level too. So anyway, but that's that's one like really kind of simple 3D way, I guess. <laughs> Saying that's no.
3: Super cool and you've had to um you've had to learn to use that in other aspects of your life and mm-hmm. relationships and professional experiences and everything. Do you feel that that has um empowered you? in a way, to feel that your no actually matters?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can actually feel like in the deer moment, if you will. Now, I actually feel like my feet stay are more firmly like rooted and grounded and I don't feel scared. Like there was a fear in saying no, that doesn't feel, that, that fear isn't as present. Same as like in other situations where I've had to say no. It's like, no, all right, I can't do that. Nope, nope, not gonna do that. Nope, and not worrying about the backlash, so. I mean, it's still there. It's not, compl- I'm not perfect, right? But it's like,
3: yeah, it's still, it has really helped empower me to answer your question, Mayor. Thanks. <laughs> well, and I bet you notice it more. I bet you notice those moments where you're like, I really need to say no. I really need to say no. Mm-hmm. So it, the awareness, you know, even if you're not forcing yourself to push through it, just having the awareness, this is a no moment. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what so What about too. you, Karen? Oh
2: gosh. Yeah, There's so many Things that animals have done in my life to just make me pay attention that they know what's going on with us. You know, so I look back at a cat that I had or that found us when we were in college, my cat Dusty. Similarly, Dusty was was what wasn't even my cat. She was one of my roommate's cats, but she kept coming and hanging out with me. I was the one who ended up taking care of her. At that young age, not really knowing how to even take care of an animal, mind-blowing how things have changed in my life now, but those first learnings of how to even care for an animal and get them litter and make sure they had food and water and make sure I knew where she was because she was small in our little college apartment that she didn't get out and run away and just all these kinds of things where I was really she was calling me to pay attention and I was really paying attention to her and she would come and sleep with me and not my roommate and all those kinds of things. And when my we left college at the end of our days in college, my roommate had said, well, I'm going to take Dusty with me. I'm sending my parents to come get her. And I had to say no. So it's really interesting that that brought up for me, Meredith, like standing up for something that I believed in or something, someone that I cared for, like really standing up and saying, No, you can't have her. I'm the one who took care of her. So she taught me at that early age, and boy, we had a lot of lessons after that going forward. But in this one situation, it was really about me saying, wait a minute, I did all this work. Hey, look at me. I did all this work because I was always one in college to just kind of morph into what everyone else wanted me to morph into to fit into whatever friend group or situation that was going on. And in this case, I had to go against the grain and say, I don't care if you don't like me. I'm the one who did all this work and paid for all this stuff and took care of this little cat. And I'm keeping her. And, you know, they backed down. I had to go and talk to her parents and say, I'm keeping this cat and here's why. And they backed down and said, you know what? You've proved your point. Yeah, you can keep her because we were the ones who are going to have to take care of her anyway. So it was one of those really cool moments. I was like, "Ooh." They, they believed me, which was a whole other thing for me back then. So that was really cool.
3: So I um, am reminded of a story that I think actually transitions well into our next little topic. Um, we've all got a theme of needing to be taught some confidence and some trust and to stand in our own power and say no. You guys have heard me talk a lot about my puppies who, you know, 11 years ago were puppies. And I recognized right off the bat that we had some behavior issues going on. They started they started kind of fighting with each other at about six months old. Well, I had taken, I couldn't handle both of them. So I had taken um, one of them, Barnabas, the one I have now, to, well, I would take them separately to a trainer. I'd found a trainer around here who was highly, highly recommended. And I would take them separately um, and then try and go home and apply the lessons that I'd learned in training to the other one. Um, well, then these these fights started and these behavior issues started. And I recognize now that intuitively, like just deep in my gut, I realized that this type of pretty traditional training wasn't working for my dogs. Also intuitively realized that I had some fear and anxiety issues going on with these pups and I was taking on a lot of that from them. Well, we went through a bunch of the training after a second big fight, I called the trainer in tears. I was absolutely beside myself. And I called her and said, I've got to have your help with this. And she told me that this was all my fault, that I was doing it wrong, that if I had just done things the way she had told me to do, to do things, we wouldn't be having these issues. Y'all, I was devastated devastated that I had failed my animals devastated that I was going to be stuck with a situation because I had messed it up right but after sitting with that grief honestly that worry that shame for not very long I suddenly stood up and went you know what no no this wasn't my fault this wasn't all me you and I are a very poor fit And I know in my gut and I know intuitively that you are not what I need and you are certainly not what my dogs need. So here it is, another example of our animals being our own advocates to teach us to kind of stand in our power and say what we believe is right based on the information we have at the time. I couldn't take the blame from her and I couldn't take the lack of compassion from her. You know, we needed compassion for me, for these animals, for our relationship together. Then they upped the ante on me, which kind of leads us into our next talk. You know, we've all we've all had the experiences, that cosmic two by four, if you will. What do we call it? The bitch slot from the universe <laughs> when you're clearly being shown um, here's something you need to learn. Here's something you need to work on. And you're like, yeah, 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 I got that. Let's keep on moving. Well, it just gets bigger and louder and the messages become, I don't know, not extreme, not severe, just more obvious until the universe goes, you've seriously got to get this point. How often do our animals bring that to our attention? I know mine did. In fact, that experience with that trainer and not being able to find the right fit for my dogs is the reason that I decided to go and learn how to be a trainer and do all of the, the study that I did on behavior. So when they pushed that lesson and made it louder and louder and louder, they moved me another step along my path to growth and development, which ultimately led me to animal communication. So, Julie, do you have an example of those messages getting bigger and bigger till you just can't ignore them anymore?
1: I do. And I did not know that about I didn't realize that was what the impetus was for you to be to learn how to be a dog trainer and be a certified dog trainer. So that's really cool. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I couldn't talk about it for a long time because it hurt a lot. Mm Mm -hmm. It hurt a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's where it all started.
1: Wow, that's so cool. Uh, So yeah, my universal two by four cosmic slide, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Lucas was the impetus for this one too. So I had studied to be an animal communicator with the Lightfoot way and i was still working in advertising i was the head of account service for an agency in anchorage and my job was really stressful long hours every week i wasn't happy it was never like my calling like i was never passionate about i mean it was fun and i did like, i got to go to lots of places but and do some really cool things meet a ton of wonderful people but it was never like my thing like yeah just didn't it wasn't like i came home from work and read all the advertising books because i wanted to know more right so anyway so I, st- I get certified by this by um, the Lightfoot Way, and I start. I have a little website, and I kind of start, and I'm using air quotes, start my business. But I didn't tell anybody I was doing it. I wasn't promoting anything. And my so my husband and I were out on a trail. Actually, it's five years ago. This Sunday, <laughs> we're out on a trail. Super cold, right? So it's January in Anchorage. Super cold. I think it was might have been single digits. And it was the trail the night before had kind of warmed up a little bit. And so there was a bit of sheen of ice on it. And I was at the base of a hill and I looked up and there's Lucas. And we'd had him, oh, maybe two years by then. And he's off leash and whatever as he typically was running around. And uh, he sees me, he's at the top of the hill. He sees me. He comes running down at me, super high rate of speed because, you know, Greyhound. And um, comes running at me and he nails my right leg, breaks it. And I fall down and I'm like, oh my God, what the heck just happened? I never felt any pain. And we it took a while to get back down the trailhead. That's a whole nother story. Back down the trailhead, we were a mile and a half out, had lots of help from different people, ended up breaking my tibial plateau and a bunch of stuff. And I knew it happened for a reason. The moment it happened, I'm like, ah, oh, there's something in this. Um, and this was before I met all y'all <laughs> through uh, Soul Level Animal Communication. But I realized it had something to do with my growth and expansion. And really what it was, was because in that moment when he hit my leg, I'd been arguing with my husband about why I wasn't really doing my this business, why I wasn't really putting the effort. So I was coming up with all these excuses as to why I wasn't worthy to do it. And Lucas was like, ha, I gotcha, bam. <laughs> and then that's when the separation from advertising really started because being laid up, I wasn't in the office. was before COVID. I did work from home. And I had time to investigate other ways to do this work, too. And that's when I found our our teacher, our combined teacher, and common teacher, Daniel McKinnon. And it went from there. So, yeah. Yeah. He's like, nope, you're not doing
3: this anymore. Broke my leg. <laughs> that's a pretty loud message right there. Yeah. It's a pretty yeah. loud message. Totally. Go Lucas. <laughs> what about you, Karen? You got You got one where they just kept pushing you, pushing you, pushing you.
2: Oh, gosh, yes. Um, My noche. He's my kitty. He's my tuxie. He's my, he's Mr. Romantic and he's Mr. Quiet at the same time. Well, it started, um, we adopted them like six or seven, six years ago. He started having urinary spasms where he just could not pee. And we would rush him to the hospital and Oh, my God, is it gonna to have to be surgery? And it was freaking me out because I thought, wow, with all my energy medicine background, why can't I why can't I ground him? Why can't I help him with his peeing issue? Why is this constricting? And it spent I spent a couple of years actually trying to figure this out. And it started getting first, it was once in a year, then it was twice in a year. And he would go into the litter box and just start moaning, and I would literally freak out every time, like, Oh my God, my poor baby boy, he can't, he can't pee. But then we'd go to the the vet and they'd find no crystals or they'd they'd find nothing. But it was a, a spasm, like stress spasm. So I finally had to sit back and say, okay, what is going on here? And it kept getting worse and worse. He started licking his leg bald in the back. He started like itching the top of his head with these little spots of hair coming off his head. You guys, he looked like such a mess. He looked like I was a terrible cat mommy, but he I'm not a terrible cat mommy. So it finally got to a point where we were supposed to go away for a weekend. And now it's it's at its worst. He's throwing up. He can't pee. He's itching his head. And I have to cancel the trip. And I called you guys about this and you were like, no, he's telling you, it's okay, go on the trip. He'll be fine. But when I sat there and I thought about it, I was like, can't go, but I have to use this time to figure out what's really going on. So I sat, I canceled the trip. I sat with him and he came, do you know that entire weekend he came and sat next to me in my office on the chair that usually Diaz. I gave it up to him for the weekend. And I spent the weekend just talking to him and sending him energy and just feeling his body and all the static that was going on it. And... I learned like he was so grateful that I just was present with him, that I was able to just take a breath and cal- calm down, let everything go, stop holding on to all the fear of what's going to happen to him and let it all go. And I started doing a different kind of energy work with him um, and asking him to show me where, where the things were blocked. And it actually helped over the next three months after that, things got better his hair started growing in. He also had me seek out a homeopath. So I started working with a homeopath, which is energy medicine, as opposed to, you know, chemicals and Western medicine and having faith in that because that takes time. And so there was this whole collaboration going on with him and me where he was guiding me on how to actually help him, but I hadn't been listening because I'd been so constricted. It's not funny. And thinking mm-hmm. that I had to do it a certain way. and so when i finally let go it, it knock on wood somewhere i'm knocking on wood if you can't hear it people it's been 2 years since he's had a real um spasm with his urinary tract and it's been he hasn't licked on that licked that leg bald in over a year and um we work together now when he starts to tell me he's constricted i check where i'm constricted and then we do energy work together and and decompress so it's been quite a lesson i love that he taught me this
3: isn't that something? And sometimes it's really often it's really as simple as, okay, whoa, stop, sit, breathe, be present. Let's be present together. They slow us down sometimes so that we have the opportunity to stop and recognize the constrictions in our lives, the um, the places where we're, if you will, pick, pick, picking at our fur, you know, at our examples. Okay, what's the best way to say that? When we start really nitpicking like the little bitty details in our lives that that aren't important, having to stop and really reconsider where am I, what am I doing, and what's important to me. And it's amazing how they'll throw up a broken leg or a constriction to, to make us stop, to make us have to stop when we yeah. very least want to. Yeah. Wow, they really make us stop and change our paths sometimes too, don't they? They certainly do. I'm very grateful for
2: him. I was so grateful that I stayed home that weekend in a way that, you know, maybe in years past I would have been resentful. I was like, nope, this is where I'm supposed to be. And it was such a wonderful connection between us in a way that was very different. So it was a great lesson.
0: Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org party today.
2: How else are animals giving us soul level lessons i know that meredith right like when animals pass away that's another way that they might even keep upping the ante and kick in and start to teach us more soul level lessons
3: yeah and you know that's one of the um that's one of the most common questions i get as as soul level animal communicator tons of clients who have lost an animal want to talk about you know how how do i move through this grief How do I continue to exist without my soul baby? Will I see them again? And the answer is always they will continue to work with you. And sometimes it's the horrible, horrible experience of losing an animal that we love so dearly that um, continues to propel us along a path, continues to help us see the next step in, in our lives that we need to take. Julie, do you have an example of animals passing that have helped you with your own soul growth and development?
1: Yeah, and I know I think in the last episode I or the first episode I talked a bit about um when the last of a I had a pack of 3 dogs and when the last pack member passed, I fell into a really deep depression and uh had someone recommend studying this and leading up to all of that when first I had Noah this Westie and then India, a um, pit bull mix, and then I had Bono, German Shepherd mix. Um, all through all that time with them, I was actually working with animal communicators, just thinking it was super cool. And when each one of them passed, they had messages for me about um, being the voice for animals, particularly Bono, and just and through this other animal communicator that I was working with, and just to not lose, it was almost like a tether that they throughout for me or lifeline, I guess, and just like grab this and let this pull you forward. You know, you too need to help give animals a voice because there were other instances in my life where I would have been working with, you know, different friends and whatnot that had dogs or cats and they would leave them alone for like really long periods of time. And all they wanted me to do was come over and feed them and let the animals sit there alone the rest of the time, like, oh, all you have to do, Julie, is come over and feed the, do- feed the dog and give the dog water, let him out, and then you can go. And I'm like, every time I was there, the animal would, would just, I just had this feeling like, I can't leave you. That's just not right. And so as Bono, the last one passed, that last big message of give the animals voice, and he reminded me of all these animals that I would care for. And so they they kind of, then only did they pull me out of the depression from the other side of the rainbow bridge. With learning to be an animal communicator, but they were showing me all along the way that that is exactly why I needed to do it too. So it, yeah, and I have clients that talk about it that lessons come through, which we can talk about another time. But yeah, I'm curious to see too, Karen or Meredith, how that's helped you or what lessons you've learned from across
3: the rainbow bridge. I actually would love to jump in there real quickly with um with an example. So Quentin and Barnabas, the two puppies that I mentioned. Quentin passed two years ago this week. Um, they were brothers, they were litter mates, they were together for over nine years. Um, we had so many examples of just stressful experiences when they were together because they could get triggered so quickly. Um, we have a great fenced-in backyard. And even though we're kind of in the middle of town, we back up to a creek and we've got some sort of wooded areas behind us. So we have lots of wildlife. We'd have um you know, a possum or a squirrel running down the top of our fence could really trigger like total chaos. If they got overstimulated, they'd chase it. They'd sometimes catch it, sometimes not, but they could very, very quickly turn on each other. And so it was completely stressful. We had um, a young couple that lived next door for the longest time. And for a full year and a half, we would have to text each other every time one of us was taking our dogs out to say, hey, we're out. Um, we'll let you know when we go back in because they couldn't share the fence line together. It could trigger it could trigger stressful fights. Our next door neighbors on the other side would silently wave across the fence and wouldn't speak because if the puppers got their, their attention, they could sprint over there, jump the fence. I, I don't know. It was just total, total chaos. So after Quentin passed, I was very certain that I needed to work more with Barnabas. But y'all, I cried every day, both from grief, but also from stress. Oh, my God, we're outside. There's a squirrel. What's going to and Barnabas is like, hey, there's a squirrel on the fence. And I would stop and go. I can feel my stomach nodding up right now as I'm talking about it. I would stop and go. Ah, oh, Wow, this is not stressful. And then I would have the guilt of this would be so much harder if Quentin were still here. But I had to move through. And it's taken me a while. You guys have watched all of Barnabas' great adventures. It's taken me a while to, to realize I could release all of the stress and anxiety that I was carrying inside of me, trying to care for, trying to protect, trying to be the advocate for these two animals who were just living their nature. I did not realize until after it was all said and done how much of that I was carrying with me. In my efforts to make sure that Barnabas had as many adventures and experiences as possible, positive ones, let him live a life as an only dog for a little while. With my full presence, my full attention, I've released a lot of my own anxiety and fear that came along with trying to protect, trying to fix, trying to make everything go smoothly, Um. Terrible, terrible experience to have to lose little Quent. He was my muse, as you know. He's the reason I got into most of this. But um, from the other side, he's still helping me allow Barnabas to grow, which is allowing me to grow. What about you, Karen?
2: That's so beautiful, Meredith, because Quentin was such a powerful presence when he was alive. Mm, we thank him now. We're still teaching you and helping out Barnabas. Yeah. Oh, these are the tough ones, right, you guys? Because they make us all really emotional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Losing a pet is
1: so hard. And we don't necessarily talk about pet loss grief, which will be another episode, too. Yeah. In a way that we talk about other types of grief. And even then, we still don't (laughs) talk about grief. So, yeah, it's, it'll be a thing. So, yeah. But Karen,
2: you've got a really cool story, too. Oh, goodness. My hockey puck. My hockey puck is you guys listen to these episodes. You'll hear a lot about hockey puck over many episodes. I'm sure he was my muse too. And for with him, I really want to talk about what happened with him in spirit, but leading into his going into spirit, even his passing was part of a huge lesson for me around speaking up. He, I think I talked about this in another episode where he would just like come up and bite me if I was emoting, but not being present. I learned about paying attention and having that awareness. The next level of that, really, the amp up, it got louder with his his uh, respiratory issues, and then he had a frozen larynx, and so I could only nurse him back so far before his frozen larynx got the best of him. and I had to I had to assist him in passing so that to make it easier for him. But that constriction of the throat, which was a real thing for me, too, in his passing. I was so upset about his passing and and not speaking up about things that even in his passing, he taught me to think about what does it mean to actually have a voice and to, to breathe fully breathe and speak what you need to say with full breath. Um, and in doing so he continues to work with me. And one of the things he made me just kind of speak up about and speak out about, um, was after um, this is kind of funny because my husband and I were at a dinner private dinner for ourselves after going to a friend family's wake or yeah it was a wake for a friend of ours her one of their family members and I had just gotten into all of this and hockey puck had just passed not too long ago and I had finished my schooling with Danielle and um, he was asking me like what are you going to do with this like you say you want to do this and Are you going to leave your lucrative business and do this? Like, what are you doing? And I felt his presence come through the top of my head. I knew I was speaking, but I wasn't sure what I was saying. And all of a sudden, he was pushing words out of my mouth that I was hearing myself speak at the same time. It was a very out-of-body experience. So if anybody ever had that happen, it's a very strange experience to be speaking, but know you're listening to yourself speak you know you guys have probably had that too right
0: mm-hmm.
2: and i start saying oh my god we have to come together all of us who have graduated we have to help the animals and group form and they need a voice and the way to do it is to connect with the rescues and shelters because we've saved so many animals individually that way and they all want to share with their families and the more awareness we have about how caring they are and how they're helping their families and how the rescue pe- how much they appreciate the rescue people getting them to the right families and there was all this look came out of my mouth and I realized hockey puck was setting me up with all the ideas for the animal communication collective that we did all need to work together. And so I brought this idea initially to the group I think Julie I think you were in the group at that point and Meredith you were definitely there with me and we started talking about this in our animal communication meetings. And rolled up our sleeves and actually formed a volunteer organization. Thanks to Hockey Puck. Yeah. Mainly telling us to help animals have a voice. And that organization is now what three years old, you guys, where we're, we all come together as volunteers. And there are 30 of us in that group now where we do animal communication readings and events 100% for free from us for these organizations. And they're raising funds, but. The biggest part of it in my heart is we're sharing messages from animals and people are having experiences in a group where they're supporting each other and and becoming way more aware that their animals are very sentient and very present and very much aware of life at a level that I think us humans forgot that they might be aware about.
3: Meredith, what do you think?
2: I mean, you, you helped yeah. me put this thing together from the beginning.
3: Yeah. When you presented the idea, I remember hanging up from the meeting and calling you and going, oh, my God, I'm in. I'm totally in. So here over the last three years, we've um, we've done these online uh, fundraisers for shelters and rescues where we do these little mini animal communication readings with other members of our teams. And it's been great to see the response that we get. Some of the you know, some of the attendees are um, super into this and are so excited to to see it. Others kind of come into it going, I don't know what's going on here. But the response we get from them is so beautiful when we see how much healing and support these types of readings are bringing to people from their animals. Yeah, it's been great. And in fact, we have, um, I think our first event of the year is coming up on February the 22nd. We will be doing a fundraiser for the Evelyn Alexander Wildlife Rescue Center. We did an event with them last year and we're so excited to be coming back and doing it this year. So, you will be able to find information about that at the Animal Communication website, the com. Um we're also on Facebook and Instagram as the Animal Communication Collective. Julie, your your thoughts about the Animal Communication Collective.
1: Oh my gosh. And, well, you I will just say you guys started it. And then you invited me to just to play. And then (laughs) at that point in time, I was in the process of moving from Anchorage to the upper, upper peninsula of Michigan. And to be quite honest, I didn't, I just didn't have a whole lot going on. I'm like, yeah, I just totally jumped at the chance. And then did my first event with you guys for Nika Love, a fantastic rescue in New Hampshire. And I was hooked. I was totally hooked. These events are so much fun. And I just made a note too, um, I think some things that we can talk about in the, in the podcast are like how an animal communication reading usually goes. And then in, like you said, Meredith, the animal communication collective events, we do mini readings. So we can talk a little bit about that. But also what's super cool is some of the threads that come through. So even though we choose intuitively who gets a reading, what happens is the messages actually have a meaning for everybody present, including us. And so I think that's something, too, we should have to love to talk about. But yeah, the Animal Communication Collective has been, is just really, really fun. Just to be able to introduce people who may not have ever heard of animal communication before in a really accessible way, as well as a way that helps the animal rescue with much needed funds and much needed help. And even hearing, too, because many times in the promotion of it, we will talk with some of the animals in the rescue. So it gives, it sheds light for the people caring for those animals about the animal. And then it also gives the audience a little bit of insight into what the animal's experiencing in the rescue, which most times is love and gratitude and things like that. I don't want to general, I, I'm generalizing. There's more to it anyway. So yeah, the Animal Communication Collective has been a big deal for me and for, I know, so you guys. And I just love working
2: with with both of you. It's been a game changer. So all because Lucas broke my leg. <laughs> and because hockey <laughs> puck had a frozen larynx. And because mm-hmm. you know, Quentin passed. And and so these animals, that's what we're saying, is like when they pass, even when they are in spirit, they are, you know, whether they're alive or in spirit, they are pushing us or they are resonating with shifts and changes and frequencies in our lives that they know is just kind of the way to go. And if we pay attention they really do start to shine a light for us in ways they're almost like giving us clues. It's like, it's almost like a mini puzzle, right? If you really pay attention to what your animal's doing, it's like a really fun, you can look at it as a really fun riddle. You can also look at it as them guiding you in a way that you might be surprised about. But um, in all these different ways at the soul level, there's such intelligence and orchestration going on for all of us. If we just stay present for me, for me, stay present and breathe. <laughs> Thank you, Noche. Thank you, Puck, and so many others um, for
3: reminding me about that. As we're wrapping up today, do you get messages from your animal and spirit?
1: Oh, all the time. Oh, So in, yeah, India, for me, there's some wind chimes in a really protected place and so when I'm kind of like, when I'm thinking, I don't know if I want to do this, I think I don't, I think i might not worthy is not kick my negative belief or limiting belief that I don't feel worthy enough to do stuff is kicking in. Those wind chimes will ring. And I swear to God, there's no wind to move them. So that's her and I in there because they were bought for her by a friend of mine. So that's her little way of saying, nope, you've got this girl. Keep going. so oh. yeah. How about you guys?
3: Your numbers, your hockey puck signals. Oh yeah,
2: my hockey puck numbers. And you guys, even as I started talking about this situation, it was 111 on the phone. And I have a picture of hockey puck on my phone and the time. And sometimes I'll just randomly go to see what time it is or look at something. And it's either eleven eleven or one eleven and it's his face. So while we were talking about the situation, my phone lit up and it was one eleven.
3: <laughs> so how crazy is that?
2: <laughs> Thank you. I hockey love puck. it.
3: I love it. Okay. Well, we've, gosh, we've had a lot to talk about today. I love just getting together and chatting with the two of you. We're going to have so many more fantastic conversations about this. So thank you for listening to yet another episode of the Animal Communication Podcast. Uh, For more information about the three of us, keep up to date on our episodes. Follow us on mindbodyspirit.fm. You can also learn more at our website, the animalcommunicationpodcast.com. Again, if you're interested in attending an Animal Communication Collective event like the one coming up on February 22nd, you can visit the animalcommunicationcollective.com for all the details. For today, uh, signing off, I'm Meredith Tolleson. I'm Julie Heert. And I'm Karen Dendy-Smith. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we will see you next week.